You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, live from the Green Room 42. And on this episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam, I chat with Sherry Sanders, the groundbreaking pioneer of Rock the Audition, a program Sherry created to help teach people how to audition for rock musicals. Today, we are speaking with Sherry about the second edition of her best-selling book, Rock the Audition. So stay tuned. Hi, Sherry. Hi. It's so good to talk to you in person. I, I love being with you. I love being with you, too. You're, you're amazing. Yeah, and I think you're awesome, and congratulations on the Broadway Podcast Network and pursuing um, doing what you do so well full-time. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. Oh, God, I am thrilled for you and excited to see what happens over the next two years oh, when yes. you get to make it your focus. I oh, love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, me too. And I'm so excited to talk about your new baby. Oh God. Rock the audition. Second, second edition. edition. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I I'm love excited it. to talk about it too. Terrific. Yeah. So let's get started. Absolutely. So it's been nine years since you wrote your first edition of Rock the Audition. So when did you decide a second edition was needed or did you always think there would be a second book? You just didn't know when. Well, it's interesting because the first book and, it, um, you know, I, I was with Hal Leonard. So I was at the hugest publishing company for, um, for music and theater. But the trickiest part about that was just because they're big doesn't mean I made any money. Mm. And so the really what happened is within a couple of years, I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing the hustle. And this book is in every school as a required read. And I'm not seeing any money for it. And they were like, this isn't going to make you money. Um, it just is going to make you famous. And I was like, OK, I need money, though. So <laughs> <laughs> right, because fame isn't going to pay my rent. <laughs> no, and, you know, um, so it was one of those really wild things where I was with them for a few years, and I just said, listen, um, I need to ask you for my book back because i got to make mm. some money off of it. So they were actually really generous and gave it back to me, and it just took this long for me to actually have five minutes to actually write the second edition. Wow. So I had always wanted to do an updated version because the first time that I wrote it, I was just making all this stuff up. Mm. I mean, this was all... <laughs> All completely out of my imagination. I had worked, I play with people, but I'd never written about it. Mm -hmm. And so everything that came out was awesome, but I was so excited to do it now um, because I've really refined how, how I talk about things and how I explain things. Yes. It's really, really, the, the theater community has shifted because of me and I've shifted because of the way I've engaged in the theater community. So that's how I decided to do it. And I just decided to do it now because the timing was right. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. No, you've really made a difference in the industry. I think so. Industry-wide. I mean, you're teaching people how to audition for musicals that weren't necessarily, they were around, but not in the degree, especially now that oh they are. Yeah, and what they ask for yes. now is so different. Mm -hmm. They're like, you've got to show up with a fully realized understanding of the genre and the style and the era and have just such a clear understanding of your point of view yes. inside of that style. So it's intricate work, but I'm really excited that I'm the one that's teaching people how to do it. And my favorite thing I think now is that I'm just training teachers. Mm -hmm. I'm passing the torch. That's so nice. It's been fun to be the go-to girl, mm -hmm. but I believe that this thing works so good mm -hmm. that I 
I have already realized because I've trained 78 teachers now, private teachers. Wow. This doesn't even include the colleges. This is just private teachers. But people are doing a good job. That's terrific. It's thrilling. That's terrific. Yeah. And I love how in the book you explain like step by step to people what they really need to know oh, yeah. because it is so different. It's well, you know, it's funny because I kind of talk about how like traditional musical theater is the older child mm-hmm. and pop rock is the younger yes. child. And as long as you know they both deserve respect and care and attention, <laughs> they're just different. Yes. Then that's the fun part. That was my favorite analogy. Thank you. I was you. like, that was a great way to explain it to people because it's something that's easily relatable. It is. And, you know, like the younger, ch- I'm a younger child mm-hmm. and I am a wild animal. <laughs> and <laughs> my older Sib is more, definitely more play- plays by the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, you know, just how we were raised yes. as children and how the musical theater trajectory became too. Yes. They're looking for a wilder, more authentic, more emotional self. Mm-hmm. And not a, a rigid uh, plot mover. Yes, yes. <laughs> they want some originality. With, they, not yeah. that the others weren't. <gasps> no, but, but even on traditional musical theater, people are looking for an original, fresh, contemporary mm-hmm. take yes. on that. So it's just what's happening, and I'm really excited that I'm the one that translates it. I feel lucky. What are some things you learned in these past eight years that made you glad you waited on publishing the second edition? <gasps> wow, okay. What I will say most of all is, is that the timing of the work that I do with marginalized people mm-hmm because I've been working with marginalized people for years because I'm a marginalized person. I'm a person with PTSD. And so because of that, and because there's never been any conversations about it, it was always just like, she's such a genius, but she's like got troubles. Mm. So in the margins, that's where I wrote the first edition from the margins. Now the second edition, I feel really, really great because it's like, we, it's part of bringing people out of the margins mm-hmm. and bringing them into mainstream musical theater. So I'm excited that the thing that I've been doing all this time, I, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, it somehow became trendy. Mm-hmm. Diversity became trendy, but I've been such a an a, a, an accomplice mm-hmm. for pushing the envelope around diversity and um, and pulling people out of the margins. That finally, the thing I've been doing all these years caught the trend. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'll continue past the trend. Like the trend will come and go, but the work that I'm doing will continue on. And that's what I love about self-publishing is I can continue to update all of the inclusive language Mm -hmm. that we're literally learning on this job. Like we are making this language up on the job. And so I'm just working with students now and working with advocates, figuring out the language, putting it in the book, and then I get to go, oh wow, that language changed again? Let's go back in the book and change it. So it'll be as current as the language is. In this day and age where most everything is online, which you have embraced with your coaching, you do a lot of online coaching, uh, why did you want to release a hardbound book as opposed to just having it be an online tool? Oh my God. You know, first of all, I love that you asked that question (laughs) because when I went online, I realized that from doing it, it was really, really great because it helps me train entire musical theater programs Mm. because they get to use the online program to study with their teachers with. But what I noticed is that um, there were people that um, everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. Some people read, some people watch, some people listen. Mm -hmm. Some people go in through dancing, some people go in through singing, some people go in through acting. Mm. And that everybody goes into, especially something tricky like a style you don't know Mm -hmm. or a world you don't know, that I had to make it accessible for every different kind of student Mm. and teacher. And so there were a lot of people that were like, I really appreciate the video and the audio and the listening and stuff, but I love paper. Mm -hmm. I love processing reading. 
and my online training program has only a little bit of reading and a lot of clicking on links and watching and listening. Mm -hmm. So there are some people that are like, no, I want to read and use my imagination and then see what that looks like. Mm. So what I did was I just did it to to appeal to those people and also because having it on a required reading list at colleges who can't afford my my online mm-hmm. training program. Some colleges have the money to be able to say, hey, I want you to train the whole program. Right. And some colleges are like, we don't have a pot to piss in, mm-hmm. but we have to train our students, so we're gonna use your book. So what's great is that the book is a, ha, was before um, I turned it into a, an online program, the book was a required read in like 75 schools. That's terrific. So what's great is that those schools will then pick it up if they aren't, engaged in my online program and so it'll be great because these kids will have to read it and they'll have to show up with their teachers and do what they read. That's amazing. Thank you. I'm really excited to feel like I take care of everybody. I was going to say it's great because there are so many different learning styles. Like I was in school, I was definitely more of a let me read it, maybe I'll highlight something. Right. Um, and me, I don't even read. Like mm-hmm. I wrote a book and all, which is cool. <laughs> but I, I'm an audiobook mm. listener. So I'm a listener. Yes. So for me, I just want to listen and and have a visceral experience. I love that. Yeah. I've become more. I'm starting to become more of an audiobook listener because I'm such a slow reader that yes, it would me take too. me. I mean, it would take me probably um, years to finish a book. <laughs> I get distracted. And I, yes. And now I can like. Now I just started actually walking when I walk around the city. I'm like listening to a, a book and. And it may now only take me like a week to finish it. Ask me more yummy questions. Oh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) What has it been like to be the leader in teaching people how to audition for pop rock musicals? It has been the coolest thing ever and also painful. Mm. And I think it's a really, really great dichotomy to live in. Mm -hmm. The coolest part, I'm the one who did it. I get to be like when people like... uh, Everybody knows to go to me. Like, I just worked with somebody for their callback for six today. Mm. And because she knew that I was the person to help her get the job. And I love being that person. Yes. You know, that people go, you got to go to Sherry. Like, I feel so blessed because, like, Nikeki, who is the uh, alternate Tina Turner, Mm -hmm. she's on the matinees. Absolutely incredible. But, like, her agent told her to call me to get her that job. Oh my God. So like, I love being that person and I love that the proof is in the pudding. Yes. And that the work pays off and that I'm not just, you know, a fancy person who charges a lot of money who really people don't get everything out of, they get the results. Yes. The hardest part is being, is becoming that person with no, there's never been another person who's ever done the things that I've done. Mm -hmm. So there's no roadmap. No, I'm not an actor who gets an agent who goes on audition who books jobs. There's a formula for that. Right. So there's been absolutely no formula. And on top of that, my formula works, but what's been trickiest for me is being able to go, well, who's the boss here? Is this my thing that I have to then find investors to give me money? Mm -hmm. Do I give it to a bigger person and have that person run it? I mean, I tried that and that didn't work at all. But like, I didn't know whose hands it goes Mm -hmm. in because it it doesn't go in an agent's hands. It doesn't go in hands. It's actually my hands. So to create something and figure out how to build it and not know who to even do it with mm-hmm. has been the trickiest yes. part for me. And it has been sometimes painful. But I will say that it's great now that I feel like it's completely in my hands mm-hmm. and it's just a relationship. It's just me and music notes. 
um, yes. it's working very, very well. That's and wonderful. I'm able to build a team of people who I feel like are like-minded. So, I love that. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, I so far that. so good. Well, since we mentioned music notes, let's yes. just touch on that a little bit. <laughs> I love touching on that. <laughs> yes. So um, let's just explain to everybody listening what music notes is, how you got involved in it, yeah. and what it can do for them as opposed to... Some other well what's interesting is that music notes is the place that everybody goes to mm-hmm. and but everybody goes to get music to audition with but the music is not uh, auditionable mm. it's an interpretation that music notes makes and people use it in all different ways but it's never been intended to to be used specifically for audition cuts for the audition room so everybody has had to make cuts of music that's an interpretation of the actual artist's work mm. so music notes music in itself and I can speak so honestly because they're they're my adoptive parents, but it's not uh, it's not valuable in an audition room because it needs to be arranged for the audition room. So when I called them, they already had everything built in. They already had the music. They already had everything. I was already arranging their music. And so that's why I was just like, look, I arranged your music already. Can I give you a couple of samples of what I've done with your music for this particular thing? Mm-hmm. Sent them the samples. The next day I got a job offer. And so why I love it is because it takes care of the voice teachers because their, their students come in and go, what do I sing? Mm -hmm. And she goes, Sherry took care of that. Go to her Spotify stations, find out, you know, find out what style the show is in, go to the Spotify stations, listen to the Spotify station, find something that you love and you relate to and Mm -hmm. you like. And while you're listening, finding a song that you like, you're learning about the style. Mm. So you're already getting a free education. (laughs) Then you find a great song and then you just come on a music notes and buy the cut It's already arranged. And then there's a music notes app that plays the accompaniment so you can practice with it. So it literally gives you the understanding of the style, the picking of the perfect song that relates to you, Mm -hmm. like that you are like, I like this song rather than somebody help me find a song that shows range. This is actually like, oh my God, this song actually lives in my spirit and I want to sing it. Um, And then you have the wherewithal and the means to rehearse it. So I basically took care of the entire process Mm -hmm. that was just ugly. It was ugly to have to force people to find their own music that that's right that's right for them right for the style cut and arrange it themselves and then have to pay somebody to figure out how to arrange it and play it i took care of the whole thing for 495 that's amazing i'm so that's proud amazing. of it <laughs> now your arrangements can can work for everybody because there's only really one way to arrange it for an audition it's- yeah the idea is that it's just we want to f- cuz i pick like i find the cut the mm-hmm. perfect part of the song that shows the most dynamic part of the story mm. and then I arrange it for the piano so it sounds like there's a whole there that you're it lifts your voice mm-hmm. as opposed to you having to compete with an original music notes arrangement which basically has the drums the bass the guitar mm. all the instruments in it here is just um, a piano keeping a groove and highlighting your voice so that all we hear is your relationship to the piano mm-hmm. and what it means to be in yeah in an intimate relationship with music it's a wow. really really exciting and I work with really really um, two really awesome um, accompanists that help me arrange Jonathan Brenner and our new associate Devin Perry and we really and Devin's an actor mm-hmm. a musical theater actor and so it's great because we kind of come from an acting point of view and we come from a music point of view so that great stories get told in very short amounts of time that's incredible (laughs) so what is it like now when you approach a school to say you want to come teach as opposed to when your first book came out well I love that you asked that question too because the knocking on the door when I first started was a little bit rough Mm -hmm. because 
people still didn't realize. And again, I've always been, I'm a little bit psychic and I feel like I have psychically predicted all of this. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of was ahead of the curve because I knew that this was coming. And so there were certain schools that were like, uh, I mean, this is cool, but like, we don't really need it. Mm -hmm. It's not really what's happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, but we could still, my, my students are very talented and so that will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And so I didn't never got any pushback, Mm -hmm. but I, it just took a long time for people to actually understand that it was real Mm. and that it mattered. And the people who there were a, a small handful of people who I went to in the very, very beginning that actually really helped me. And it would be Sean Morrissey from Milliken university, who was the first person who said, you should come to our school. We really need this. And we're on the prairie. We're not going to get this anywhere. So he understood that too. And then Mary Saunders Barton, I have to just mention both of them. She was the music person at Penn State. Mm -hmm. And she also knew, because she teaches pop singers, she knew, oh man, we need this so bad. Mm -hmm. So it it was between the two of them, they just introduced me to the community of teachers that needed this. And so I joined a company called the Musical Theater Educators Alliance Mm -hmm. and they had me present. And that's how it all began. Interesting. Is that I met with 90 teachers from 90 programs and I said, this is what I do. And I adjusted a handful of uh, performers Mm -hmm. in a handful of styles and the jaws on the floor. I mean, I literally had to walk around and pick the jaws up off the floor and that's when it started. In the book, you talk about how you sort of first came to this with your girlfriend at the time oh, yeah? saying, you know, uh, when you're not acting. Yeah, you have you, emotional problems. Yes, you yes, should teach. Yes. Yeah. And you were so resistant to it. I was. And But then you did it. And, and just looking at where you are now, could you imagine or did you ever think about what your life would have been like if you didn't take it and you just were like, you stayed in your emotional of like, I don't want to do this. Do you ever think? <sighs> no, I mean, to me, what was so great is as an actor and as a, as an actor with a mental illness. So that's two things that I'm working with. And I think that I, I can speak really openly about this, but I think that most of us work with a mental mm-hmm. illness. Yes. Some of us don't work with it and need to work with it. (laughs) But that's also part of why we became artists, Mm -hmm. right? Is to be able to find a cool way to put those things that are so shameful or dangerous or hard inside of us into a character so it could could live. Yes. Um, And help you heal And help you heal and help the audience Mm -hmm. heal, right? Mm -hmm. So like that's the good stuff. But we don't always have that opportunity and a lot of people self-destruct because of that or they leave the business or Mm -hmm. whatever. But I had a really golden opportunity because I had to say, look, I work, I'm working with a mental illness right now and I don't know what to do with it yet. So because I had somebody say, if you teach, you don't, you don't live in your mental illness the same way because you're not up yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not up yourself with your problems. You focus out on other people's problems yes. and you heal their problems and then it's not, you don't have to be in your own tornado. Mm-hmm. You just pop into somebody else's tornado <laughs> and you stop the tornado. Yes. You know, um, or you get the tornado, you turn the tornado into a dance number. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, I would have never, if I didn't find something that was outside of myself, mm-hmm. that was a success, success that was outside of myself, I would have never been able to have had the room to be able to be self-reflective enough to be able to go so now now that I've succeeded and and I'm and I'm like Aunt Sherry and everybody's excited about the stuff that I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I've had success let me do a little 
self-reflection and it was in that self-reflection having that self-reflection that I went I think I have I think there's something wrong with my nervous system mm -hmm. and I did not know that that's what it was while I was in my own tornado mm. I just knew I wanted the tornado to stop spinning yes. So no matter how much therapy I went in, and I was in therapy since I was 19, I couldn't stop the tornado. I, I slowed the tornado down, mm -hmm. but I was still tearing through my town and sometimes other people's towns. Mm. And then apologizing for tearing <laughs> through people's towns because I knew that it was happening and I couldn't make it stop. So it was in that space of my success outside of myself and being able to have room to look, that was when I identified, okay, I think I know what part of me is 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 not functioning well. I don't know what to do about it, but it it was it would it was able it was a moment that was able to bring me to a specialist that could tell me what it was. Mm. And then once I found out it was PTSD, it just completely changed. I mean there is just no and now I'm in such an open, I'm in an open, healthy relationship mm -hmm. with it. And then that's become a huge part of my training yes. is to get people in a relationship with their mental illness and get it into pop rock music, which leaves room for everything. Yes. All things, all emotions, mm -hmm. all walks of life, all shapes, sizes, flavors, and colors of people. It's like, this is the home base for everybody to find themselves in so that when they go to traditional musical theater, they have been free inside of themselves first. That's so wonderful. Yeah. It's, it, it, who knows? new but yeah no I wouldn't change a thing mm, I wouldn't change wonderful. a thing but I do want to go back into acting more because yes. I do miss it yeah. yes the new 2023 Ford Escape is the perfect getaway car featuring an available 13.1 inch center stack screen 360 degree camera and Bang & Olufsen sound system and spatial flexibility for extra legroom. the new 2023 Ford Escape Learn more at Ford.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, uh, I am going to just jump ahead for a moment. Sure. Um, since you mentioned your acting. Oh, okay, sure. I did get to see you in Mamma Mia. You saw me in Mamma Mia. At Active Connecticut. Oh my God, the scenery tasted delicious. Yes, it was a fantastic <laughs> production. Wasn't it was it? so great to see you back on stage. I mean, I've seen you in concert. Oh, yeah. I've seen your concerts. Yes. But to see you like in an acting role was fantastic. It was a great opportunity. So um, what has been happening on the acting front for you? What was amazing was last year, so Mamma Mia started it, 
And then in between Mamma Mia and when I decided to write the book, mm-hmm. I got to do eight acting jobs. And some of them were full productions mm-hmm. like that one. And I did um, a wonderful production at this really great theater in Columbus, um, T- uh, Toxic Avenger. Yes. Um, and um, and then it was like readings, concerts. I read, uh, you know, I worked on um, developing a screenplay. I got to do a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful web series called Just a Girl on Broadway just a few weeks ago even. And so the universe was like, you are going to be acting. Just letting you know, I'm giving you the appetizer. I'm giving you a couple of choruses just so that you know you still should be eating this dish. And so for for me now, it it was the universe saying, you're going to act again Mm -hmm. and it's going to be great. And we're just going to give you a taste right now because you got to go do the book and launch the coalition and there's some bigger things that you have to do but just so like the universe went I don't want you to forget this part of yourself it's too important yes so I got to really really dig in this year okay so we are gonna switch gears I love the gears we're about to switch to good because we're gonna play a game and the game is called rock the audition sorry I didn't mean to kick you um I'm gonna list a few artists yeah and then you're gonna tell me which song of theirs you would suggest for an audition wonderful so we're gonna start with my favorite artist Madonna I love that you mentioned Madonna because I have mixed feelings about Madonna. Okay. Madonna, I grew up with Madonna. Yes. I think I'm a little bit older than you, but same, but like she was the eighties for me. Yes, me too. Um, and really changed society. I think that my favorite thing that she did was she brought queer people out of the, out of hiding Mm -hmm. with the drag, uh, ball culture. Mm -hmm. She brought that out, um, that regular people didn't know. Every single song is a hit. Yes. I cannot get enough of her music. She's not great in the audition room because mm. she's not a vocalist. Mm. She's an entertainer. Mm-hmm. She's a pioneer. So her showmanship would be something that I would say, do me a favor, please watch Madonna and her showmanship when you're working on your 80s pop rock song that you need to sing by another singer mm. who has more range. Mm. Because we still we need to show people that we ha- are what our full dynamic voice is. Yes. And she's an alto. Mm. Interesting. So she's not a good singer. And her music isn't rangy, and it's not dynamic at all. So I would say, please don't bring in Madonna, but please study Madonna. That's so great her advice. influence is yes. everything. Yes. But her music does nothing in the audition room. It, it's a flat line because there's no range. Mm. And it's tricky because there's, there's a couple of people who don't have range, but were so good. Like Boy George was mm-hmm. so incredible. No range. Mm. So you can't bring in a song of his because I don't know anything about what your voice sounds like. Right. But bring in Taylor Dane. I love it. I love Taylor Dane. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, Jew from Long Island. Yes. I mean, she's our people. She is. <laughs> uh. um, but bring in her, right? Or, you know, there's so many other artists from that time period that have a lot of dynamics, mm-hmm. but study Madonna's showmanship. And you're going to get that callback for that 80s musical. You better believe it. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next one is another one of my favorite artists um, and is Roxette's. Roxette shit just passed. Is that correct? Well, um, Marie. The girl the, who, the lead who was the lead singer. singer that, yeah, we just lost she her. She did just pass away, which is why I wanted to Yeah, I them. really love that you mention her. Um, it must have been love. Yes. So, uh, well, she so was many, fantastic. But yes, so many. <laughs> but I'm using that song as an yes. example because why I love her voice for auditions is she does have range. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that her voice was very, it was all straight tone, Mm -hmm. tons and tons of straight tone. So not a lot of vibrato, right? So we love that 80s pop rock sound where we're like straight toning. 
everything and modulating, yes. which is what she does. Mm-hmm. Why I love her music and why I think she's great is because if you are somebody who doesn't listen to pop rock music, you can pretty much put yourself in her voice mm-hmm. and it'll be okay. Mm. You can put yourself in her music and it'll be okay if you're trained. Yes. But if you're somebody who understands pop music and you put yourself on one of her songs, her so- her music holds space for so many different kinds of singers. Mm. So if you have a real rock gospel voice and you sing a rock set song, it's going to sound incredible mm-hmm. because it's not her voice so much as her songs and her music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great music. So what's great is that if you can't really sing, you can get away with singing a rock song if you uh, of hers. If you could really sing, it's going to flavor her music so mm. much. So I totally agree with you. I think she's a, a perfect example of great pop, rangy, great rangy pop rock music that's great for any kind of singer. I love it. Thank you for mentioning her. Oh, you're May welcome. she rest in peace. Yes. Uh, next up, uh, the legendary Dolly Parton. Okay. Here, Dolly Parton is, I think I read somewhere that like Dolly Parton, everybody loves Dolly Parton. There's not one person who doesn't love Dolly Parton. (laughs) Um, That is a true fact. How many, I mean, so much. I will tell you, um, I grew up with Dolly Parton in like Islands in the Stream, Mm -hmm. 80s pop, her 80s pop country. Yeah, like but Here You Come Again. Here You Come Again. Yeah, Maybe that was actually 70s, Nine to five? But yeah. Maybe, but it's to me, it's like I I just, that's what I grew up listening to. Yeah. Hands down, I would send anybody to sing, to, to sing I will, her version of I Will Always Love mm-hmm. You. Yes. It well, she is, was the original writer. She was the original version. And then, so, and, and when I started arranging stuff on music notes, it said like, um, from the bodyguard, uh, I will always love you from the bodyguard. <laughs> and I crossed it out. I took a picture, I crossed it out, and I said, I will always love you from Dolly Parton's life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was about her manager it was, yeah, and her relationship uh, with her manager, I feel um, like. It was her relationship with Porter Wagner, who, yes, yes. managed her, but they were sing- duo, duet partners for yes, so many years. Yes, a vital person in yes, her life. He, he really helped kickstart her yeah. career. And then she really wanted to go out on her own. And he was like, didn't want her to go go. and she didn't know how else to tell him. So she wrote wrote a song. song. So to me, it's like, it is a perfect song. And Whitney Houston's version, Whitney Houston's version is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But going back to that bare bones, just folk Mm -hmm. soul, nothing like it. Yeah. So I would say, that's what I would suggest for people. All of her music is perfect. Yes. And also the her singing with Linda Ronstadt as well as singing with uh, Emmylou Harris. Yes. There's nothing like it. Nothing. But Dolly, Dolly's number one. I love it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Miss Diana Ross. My favorite phase of Diana Ross is her disco phase. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I arranged I'm Coming Out. Yes. Because think about it. She wrote I'm Coming Out when people were coming out. Mm-hmm. But she didn't write it. Intending to be like, I'm going to write a secret song right. about coming out. We didn't use the term coming out. Right. There was something about her because I think that she was so tied in with the gay community mm-hmm. that I feel like she literally created a song that was the anthem for the entire gay community. Um, and what's also interesting, too, is that why, and why I love arranging audition cuts. Did the lighting change in here? The mood lighting? It might have. It might have gotten darker. <laughs> um there was a girl who sang I'm Coming Out, a teenager in a class that I was teaching, class of teens, and she sang I'm Coming Out, but she was being really shy. And I said to her, what is it, girl? Like, what are you coming out to do? Have you had a long, hard day at work and you're coming out to party with your queer friends? Like, or maybe you're queer. Like, what's the situation? And she put her hands over her mouth. And I went, oh, are you coming out right now? 
And she just started crying and she said, I am. Aww. She came out on the song, I'm Coming Out, in front of 50 teens. That's amazing. And we all got up and danced and celebrated with her while she Aww. sang. And to me, it's like, oh my God, this is what it's all about, yes. right? Yes. You know, to come out on a song that's called I'm Coming Out yes. and to use your, your own liberating in that moment. Yes. So there's so many songs, right? The theme to Mahogany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to make an audition <laughs> cut out of that. Touch Me in the Morning. Yes. But I love her disco phase. That's I, love, I love that she is somebody who queer people hold as a mother of the mm-hmm. house. Yes. Right? Yes. We love her. And I love that in telling that story about the girl who was coming out, I love how one of the things you, you preach to everybody, which I love, is just to be your authentic self. Yes, and to use your life in yes. your music. Like, yes. bring the things that are hard. Bring the things that have always been quiet and in shame and put them in the material and just shape it so that if you share something that's difficult with us, is saying, I'm sharing something difficult with you because I want it to change. Yes. As opposed to coming in and being like, I'm mad. Exactly. I don't want your anger. I want your... Your pain and I want your healing. Yes. So it's great because there's tons of music for that. That's what pop rock is about. <laughs> yes. It's that I'm in the middle of the night and I'm struggling. Yes. That's what it's about. It so is. like, show me what that is. Exactly. But also show me what it's like to be on a good disco song. Yes. <laughs> Dance. Yes. Honey. Well, the last artist we are going to ask about is the Divine Whitney Houston. <laughs> Every Whitney Houston song should be done. Every Whitney Houston song, everyone. And I do want to tell you a really fun story about Whitney Houston, if you don't mind my sharing. No. My first audition song was a Whitney Houston song. My first wow. pop rock audition song. And it was, it came, it was Hold Me In Your Arms. It was a duet that she did with Te- Teddy Pentagrass. Uh-huh. It was on her very first album. Oh, okay. And I sang her part of the duet. And I booked the National Tour of Fame with it. Oh, my gosh. Be- and so I, that was my first cut that I ever arranged, wow. right? And it was it was a Whitney Houston song. And so to me, Whitney Houston, I know that p- some people may argue with me it, because people may say Celine Dion is the best singer that's ever lived. But I think it's Whitney, in my opinion, yes, it's Whitney Houston's yes. the best voice, mm-hmm, best mm-hmm. instrument. Yes. Um, and she was a light that just, you know, it was too big for her body. Mm. And so she couldn't stay. But I would say there are too many hits. Mm-hmm. And people have said to me, is it okay to bring in somebody a song of somebody who passed away? Is that okay? I'm like, no, you need to bring her in because we need to celebrate the effect that she had on us. Yes. So Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston, day and night. I love it. I love it. <laughs> day and night, every song. I love it. I, I, and there's not one song that wouldn't work. Yeah. Because her voice was so generous. Yes, I agree. Thank you. You literally picked great singers for this game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now we are going to go back to questions and find out more about you. Sure. So in your new book, you really open up a lot about some personal struggles, some of which we have touched upon. Yes. Yes. I can Um, go into them deeper. You might be going into them deeper. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Or, or, not. It, or I might just leave it for people to read the book and find That's out about That's great. It oh, yeah. Love that. In your book, yeah. Rock the Audition, second edition. Second edition. Revised second Revised second edition. Second edition. Uh, you talk a lot about living your truth. So living who you authentically are. Uh-huh. So when do you think you truly started living your true self? The day I was diagnosed. Mm. The day somebody says said, you have complex PTSD, it changed my whole life, my whole perception of myself. Mm. Now I had to do a lot of work. It didn't mean that 
that I didn't have to dig in because at that point it's like, okay, well, you have a lot of work to do now. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of healing to do and a lot of letting go of stuff to do. Um, a lot of body work. But I found out what it was and if you can imagine just living an entire life thinking that you're never, ever, ever going to fix the problem mm. and then to find out what the problem was and to find out there was a solution, mm -hmm. I just... It was like all the shame I've ever had in my whole life just completely fell off of me. And I've been in the world with little to no shame since. Wow. Yeah. And That's so to incredible. me, that was the day. That was the day when somebody said, You have a diagnosis, this is how you treat it. It was like, you know, if you have diabetes and you don't get it diagnosed mm -hmm. and you walk around and you pass out because your blood sugar drops and you're hospitalized and you just keep working with it, trying to figure out, does this food do this to me? What does this to me? Mm. And spend our, and then have fun. Somebody finally say is diabetes, right. <laughs> take this insulin yes. shot. It's like, it's the same thing. Your whole world opens up. Your whole world opens up and you're like, I can be in the world as a functioning person yes. and actually thrive now. Hallelujah. It was the day I was told. I you wouldn't that. even believe it. I had yeah. a, I threw a party, and yeah. then I also did a show, which I think you were at. Yes, I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like the stuff afterwards, the work I had to do, mm. it was challenging. Yeah, because I had to. I want to say fix, but I had to reinvest in forty years of tr mm. worth of trauma, and be able to sort of put the pieces together that were always disjointed. Yes. There were always puzzle pieces that didn't fit. Mm -hmm. So I literally had to put all the puzzle pieces out on the table and start putting them back together. Wow. Wow. And it was not easy. But you did it. I sure did. You did. <laughs> and that deserves a big congratulations. Well, I'm, on a, I'm ready for more puzzles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, oh, we're almost at the end. I oh. can't believe it. We only have two questions left. Wow. Um, so... Through this book, you also bring light to Rock the Audition Coalition. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about the initiative and how people can get involved? Yeah, so the coalition is super exciting because what I've done is I've brought together a handful of people who have been trying to mobilize their own initiatives on their own mm -hmm. and have had some success but are exhausted. Mm. Because when you think about it, you know, uh, the, the, and I'm really, really excited for the universe to kind of keep finding out about, um, uh, somebody named Ali Bigori, who is sort of the head of our initiative. She is a musical theater performer who is, um, very low vision. Mm. And she has been having to advocate for making every single place that is not accessible, every single circumstances she's in that doesn't consider her like, at co she'll tell you about, you'll hear from her about all of this because she's really getting very popular because she deserves to be. But she, to have to go into an audition room and have your school say, <clears throat> well, just act like you can see. Mm. Like that's how she was trained. Wow. Just act like it's not happening. You know, or somebody like Ali Stroker, who's on our board, mm -hmm. you know, who who has had to show people how to use her mm -hmm. because so many people have been like, you're so beautiful and your voice is so good. I just don't understand mm -hmm. for her to have to figure out how to show people how to use her. The advocating is exhausting with yes. how many people who just say, no, I don't understand. Right. So what I did was I decided to sort of bring all of the different communities that have had to struggle through that and people who are the you know kind of heavy hitters mm -hmm. in, in these 
um, at, um, advocacy movements and say, well, why don't we just all advocate together because there's more power in numbers, yes. one. And two, the advocacy has to go on in so many places. So for example, it's like, it has to start with education mm-hmm. and it has to start with the teachers of teens yes. and having the teachers of teens be able to go, oh my God, you're, um, you're gender neutral. So what does that mean? And the language that I use, if you're non-binary, what language, I don't know what language to use with you. Oh my God, you're a person with a disability. Well, I don't know how to use, I don't know what, la- I don't know how to make places accept. I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it starts with the teens and then it goes to college and college education. And then it goes to, uh, and then summer programs and then regional theaters and professional theaters and as stage managers and directors. I mean, think about the voicing that goes on when somebody notates music. It's like man one, man two, woman one, woman two. It's mm-hmm. like, we're not even identifying as that anymore right. we're post-gender at this point right. people are not even identifying identifying as a gender so you're basically telling me that you got to put me into a gender that i don't want to be in because mm-hmm. of the way i sound if there's so much going on that what we're trying to do is open up the conversation about what people are really like now mm-hmm. and how to hold space from them from literally from toenail to curler mm. we have to figure out what language to use how to make spaces accessible how to make people feel safe and so that has to come from the stage manager sending out an email that says I want all of your information and I'm adding at the bottom what your what gender you identify mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. like we have to care about those things right. now. That's- so that's what the coalition is, is that we want to reach out to the regional theaters and to the schools and to the stage managers and the production managers and to the producers and say, hey, with love, we just want to let you know what the current language is, mm-hmm. what's going on, and you know, we'll just check in with you once or twice a year and just see, how, hey, how's the language going at your casting office or how are things shifting with the way that you're bringing people of color in and mm. you know, just having people check in so they don't feel like they're being threatened. Right. You're bad, you did this. Right. But instead we can go, oh my God, you're awesome. We just have some new language to share with you mm-hmm. and we're really excited to hear about how you use it. And that way it's not like bad person, but it's great person and here's some fun things that will just make it even greater. Yeah. And it's really showing up like Stuart Whitley has a morning call and an afternoon call as opposed to a m- male call and a female call mm. now. That's wonderful. Isn't it just incredible? So it's just making sure that we're really on top of it and that we can do all of that. And the best part of the coalition is, is that we want to be able to say, hey, if you advocate, Rock the Audition takes care of you. So if you go to your theater back at home in Yehupitzville, New York, Mm -hmm. and you go to the theater that you worked out and say, hey, you know what? I'm actually non-disabled, but... I grew up at this theater and I'd love to find out like, is it accessible? Mm. It might be accessible for people to come and see it, but is it accessible for people with disabilities to actually perform here? Mm. And can I help you build uh, some accessible opportunities? Mm -hmm. And by somebody doing that, they get gifted discounted or free training from all of the teachers who are involved in the coalition. So if you do activism, you get gifted free training for your activism. That's wonderful. Yeah. So you take care of other people. We take care of you. Mm. And that's how I feel like this community really thrives yes. by not just taking care of yourself, but taking care of somebody else and letting somebody else take care of you for taking care of that person. Mm. So the coalition is uh, a community of people 
helping each other. That's wonderful. Yeah, it feels and great. I was going to say we definitely could use more of that. Yeah, and we have a t- we have a the um, Oklahoma City University is piloting our first college coalition. Oh wow! So they're going to use students in their program. One who has a disability, one oh. who has works with mental illness, another one who's you know uh, non-binary or trans, and they're going to start building it in the musical theater program and refining it. People, uh, there's a big big race issue at school there. Mm-hmm. And they're going to start in the musical theater community, build the coalition there, and then bring it to the rest of the university so it becomes university-wide. It's so exciting. Yeah, and I had to do it because, like I said, I was in the margins, Mm -hmm. and I didn't belong there. Yes. I I belonged uh, in in the world healing. Yes. And sharing that with other people. And and so, and non-binary people need to be there, and trans people need to be there, and people, uh, you know, there's such terrible... um, um, even within the the community of color, it's mm-hmm. like if you don't look black, mm-hmm. they think you're not black. Right. And it's like, you don't even know what my life is mm-hmm. and my experiences are. And so from looking at me, you're telling me I'm, I'm not that thing. So we've got work to do, yes. right? So what's really, really cool is that we could do it in as, and we're going to start a teen program as well for the teen programs oh, wow. to do that too. Yeah. So it's just like just getting everybody t- taking better care of everybody together and doing it in a kind, thoughtful way, as opposed to an interrogative way. That's just so keeps wonderful. everybody soft. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Me too. Well, we're at the end of the interview. Oh, God. I, I, I feel like I could talk to you for five hours. No, I could Always. totally. Yes, I know. I know. I'm like, oh, do we have to end? But unfortunately, we do. We do. Yeah, because you yes. have other interviews. Yes. And I have an appointment, a therapy appointment yes. right after this. That's so I'm terrific. excited to go. Yes. Yes. Well, I always end my interviews by playing off of the title of my podcast, Burying It All with Call Me Adam. So if you could bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you have never told in an interview before, what would you tell me today? I'm telling you something really risky. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Um, I am one of the people who called the Times to report the sexual assault that has been going on in our community. I don't know if you remember that there was a Times article that was supposed to happen that had a bunch of people were reporting people who were sexually assaulted and then the, the article got shut down yes, by Disney. Yes. So all of these yes, people who reported I did hear about yeah, all that. of these people who reported sexual assault mm-hmm. made themselves very vulnerable thinking that they were going to be taken care of and then the the and then it didn't happen. Right. And I was one of those people who called uh, because I was sexually assaulted by somebody in the industry, but it didn't really bother me. I was sexually assaulted by a guy and I'm queer, so it's kind of like you're a dickhead. But there are people who are in my community that reached out to me over the years Mm. because I'm a safe haven Mm -hmm. that have told me that they've also been sexually assaulted by this person. Mm. And so I wanted to just speak it because this still exists and it's a part of our, it's a part of the coalition Mm -hmm. and it's a part of our mental health, mental wellness initiative because people are bullied and they're sexually assaulted in the industry and they're not allowed to talk about it because if they open their mouth, they will not be supported and they will be looked at as the person who reported the sexual assault. Yes. And the person who assaulted them will not be removed Mm -hmm. and they will only have a reputation as a person who sexually assaulted. So Mm. it's like there's this big thing that happens here where we, I, I wanted to share that I was that, that I was one of those people. And Mm -hmm. when I called about the person who sexually assaulted me and other people, Mm -hmm. they said, you're the fifth person to call about that person. Wow. And then the article never came out. Mm. And so it's, I wanted to speak on that because I have never said that in a public arena before, uh-huh. but wow. it's not handled yet. And mm-hmm. that's why I want to be somebody who 
used this platform to be able to say, it's not over everyone who's been sexually assaulted. It is not over. I know that we had a, we got, we had a false alarm, a false start, Mm -hmm. but please feel free to reach out to me (laughs) if you need to report that and Mm -hmm. you need to, um, you need to uh, hold another person responsible for something you had to go through. I am that person Mm. and I will lead you to the right authorities for that. I'm not going to take, I'm not the authority, but I can lead you to people who can help take care of you. So I just wanted to share that. Yep. And it's wonderful that you are the safe haven. I am a safe haven. everybody. And may more people become safe havens. Yes. Yes. And may more people also speak up about any. Well, just there, these, some of these people left the industry because they were so traumatized Mm. by it. You know, some of these people, it has affected their ability to go in an audition. So it's just like, we shouldn't have to suffer at the hands of other people because they're in a powerful position and they, they, they fucked with us. Excuse me. Well, hopefully this person will be brought to justice. I hope so. And the other people, there were many, many people and I know who they are. Yeah. And I, hopefully there will be an opportunity where somebody will just go, I don't really care. Yes. And just open up the gate Mm -hmm. and let everybody come through and heal finally. Yes. That would be thanks wonderful. For, yeah, thanks for having me on here. You're welcome. Always, you are one of my favorite uh, people in the industry Aww. that holds space for other people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I always love talking to you. Yeah. And everybody listening, get your copy of the second edition of Rock the Audition. It's an incredible book. You will learn a lot. It will help you in the audition room. You'll book more shows. And if you can afford it, take Sherry's online courses. <laughs> Just do anything you can with Sherry because she's the most wonderful person oh, ever. Thank you, Angel. You're welcome. Thank You're welcome. you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's Adam, Adam, lives for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Thanks for listening. For more Call Me Adam interviews, visit callmeadam.com. And follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CallMeAdamNYC.